the new channel. The new channel. Hashtag TNC now. The views, opinions, and insights expressed in the following shows are those of the host, producers, guests, and viewers. They do not necessarily reflect the position of the channel. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to the new channel. Our passion transforms the community channel. Let's see all things new. My name is Jennifer Nuya, live streaming from Cavite, Philippines. You are watching Stories from the Fringe. It's 38 days before Christmas, a perfect time to make memories with our loved ones, family, and friends. You are watching Stories from the Fringe. For those who are tuning in for the first time, Stories from the Fringe aims to push for more diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. We are committed to creating a world where individual differences like race, gender, ability, and many others are not only accepted and understood, but also celebrated. We all believe that we can be a part of this collective vision. To make the most of our time together, we encourage you to turn off all distractions, prepare to take notes, and just be fully engaged and focused with our guest today. Today, I am happy to welcome on the show, Christine Bondok. Hello, Christine. Hi, Jenny. Thank you How for inviting me on the show. Thank you for dropping in on the show. Can you please share with our viewers a brief background about yourself and the work that you do? Yes, of course. So hi, everybody. So my name is Christine, um, affiliated with the BPO industry for several years now. Um, I'm what they would like to call a switcher. Uh, this is why I'd like to cover that topic uh, today. I used to be in a different industry. Then I switched to the BPO industry. Uh, loved it here and then started to thrive, right? Uh, born and raised in Manila, but I also studied uh, abroad and lived in uh, different cities. So I think the BPO industry has allowed me to also do that uh, through through uh, sending me or by sending me to other other countries to operate. So that has been quite a, quite a journey for me. Um, mm. But yeah, now I'm back in Manila, uh, trying to serve, um, you know, a medium-sized BPO company here. And also happy that, you know, I can share my views here, Jen. Thank you. Thank you. Dear viewers, uh, Christine Bondo, as she has mentioned before joining the BPO industry, she also was into or has background in scientific research, wealth, private wealth management, mm -hmm. and consulting. All right. So what made you uh, decide to shift to the BPO industry? I think my journey uh, going to the BPO industry has always been one with uh, serendipity. I would say, you know how you plan your life when you were in college? Like, I always wanted to be a banker. Um, 
I remember one of my friend's dad picking us up for carpool. He asked, uh, he asked me, you know, thing, what do you want to be right after college? And I said, I want to be a banker. Right? And I always thought that that was, you know, my career path. Uh, but I ended up in research. And um, after that, I, I thought it was a it was a boring job. I ended up not liking it so much. It was behind the table, didn't get any interaction. So uh, lo and behold, you know, one of my gym mates was uh, trying to do and, and launch um, one of the private wealth management companies here in the Philippines, right? So she invited me for an interview. I ended up there. I was trying to get some of the BPO executives to actually sign up with us, trying to do their payroll, trying to do some of their corporate insurances. And I think he spotted me. At the time, It was uh, the BPO industry was, was quite new. It wasn't as developed where... You know, you talk to one person sitting next to you in a restaurant, most likely they're in the BPO industry. But uh, back then, it was it was a small industry. They called mm -hmm. it the sunrise industry of the Philippines, right? Um, and then he kept on saying, why don't you work for me? And it's it was two years of back and forth uh, until I landed like a consulting work for one of the banks in the Philippines trying to set up their telemarketing. And then I bumped into the same executive again saying, Christine, why don't you try to join us? Uh, I'll show you what real telemarketing is about with fancy tools. So that's how I landed the PPO industry. He just invited me to show, you know, to show me his site. And then lo and behold, the <laughs> same night I got a, I got a job offer. So when I moved, I didn't start as an agent. That's why I call myself a switcher, a job switcher. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And um, what is the pro? So that is your experience yes. in moving to the BPO industry. Is that also the experience of others, or how is your how is their experience different from yours? How do they get? Uh, how do they get into the industry? Sure. In the BPO industry, just for the benefit of our listeners and audience, there's a lot of departments. It's not just operations. So you, you have HR, you have training, you have IT facilities, right? Uh, you also have, let's say, BCP, uh, reporting. So to get in, the, the bulk of the job is basically the service that we provide, which is you know, frontline support or what they call agents or representatives, right? Um, mm -hmm. That's a bulk of the job. If you go to a job board and then you type in BPO jobs available, you'll probably see most of the agent or champ jobs that are available. But for other departments, there are also ways to get in. Um, on a champ perspective, let's talk about that first because it's a it's not just one discipline, right, compared to HR. HR, you apply, basically, it's an interview. They will ask if you have BPO experience or um, I would say mass employment kind of experience, right? And then you'd probably get in. It's not as easy because there's still a lot of uh, processes and tools to be learned. But for a champ, it's actually harder. When I say champ or, uh, or an agent, or a representative. It's a bit harder. You actually have to go through level one interview, level two interview, and then you get invited to test uh, the lang your language capability. And then you get invited to test uh, typing speeds, grammatical uh, errors in writing will, be, will also be tested, right? Proficiency in that. Um, after that, they will match you with an account. From there, you have to train. After training, there's another hoop called certification. So only after certification uh, will you be allowed to take calls. So in the certification process, there's a nesting period where, you know, half half the day you're taking calls, half the day you're still uh, under the training department to, you know, to support you in trying to get better at uh, the interaction. So either it's a call, an email, or some back office process that you have to do. When I talk about back office, it could be that, you know, companies outsource legal services to us. 
uh, reviewing contracts or we do accounts payable where you know we do um, we prepare we prepare the invoices right so those are back office processes that are outsourced to us but through that you're gonna have to go through the hoops that I that I shared so it's actually quite complicated um, mm -hmm. contrary to popular belief <laughs> it's not that easy to get into a BPO um, but it could be very fulfilling and rewarding that's very true. Uh, corollary to that, from HR perspective, especially when we have ramp hiring, sometimes we, when we need to fill 200 or 300 for an account and we're only given a limited time to be able to onboard everyone, you sift through hundreds and hundreds of resumes and then they undergo as what christine has shared earlier the whole process and in the end let's say out of 100 you only get 30 or even less because not everyone makes it to um onboarding or they they don't they don't pass the nesting period before yeah. you can even go live on the phone correct and i think that's the frustration of some about the industry right uh, but again, you have to understand that what we're trying to service are either North American clients or Asia-Pacific clients that require high uh, degree of English proficiency. And I think that's, that's, the, that's the main hurdle there. Otherwise, if it's, a, you know, they call it KPO, knowledge process outsourcing or back office work, right? So basically outsourcing, you know, more of let's say verifying tickets um uh like i said if you're a paralegal then you you can you know be part of the legal services right that does uh contract reviews those are different disciplines that i think you could you could do without the voice interaction right mm -hmm. but um again most of it would be still here in the philippines at least the predominant work would still be voice interactions or chat interactions. Mm. Yeah. One um one thing also that other people don't really understand about the BPO industry is perhaps they think it's an easy job. You just need to take a call or you just need to answer an email, right? Or process invoices. Things that really don't need critical thinking skills or higher order thinking skills. Right. Um, when BPO industry was still starting in the Philippines, there were some people who would even say, oh, you're a nursing graduate or you're a graduate of another course for, for a year or five year course. And why are you just yeah. working in the BPO industry? Isn't that beneath you? And the same thing happened yesterday. You know, the funny thing is because I was talking to this um, connection. It was my first time to have a 30-minute Zoom coffee with him. And I, I think he still has the same mindset. Like he was surprised when I told him that, no, the BPO industry in the Philippines doesn't operate that way. At least for my experience, our requirement is for uh, the call center agents, the entry-level employees, to have four-year course because we believe in homegrown talents. And most of the people who have risen up through the ranks, they are graduates of a uh, four-year course. And even the, the supervisors and up, they have MBAs. And some of the companies, they are, if they are generous, they even send these managers to the schools uh, paying for the uh, graduate studies of their employees. Yeah, no, you, you, you're, you're quite right. Right. But that, I think, I think earlier on, that was the case. Um, as we continued to expand the industry, we started hiring and opening, you know, the doors to even high school graduates. So long as you're willing to, uh, self-educate, right? This is what I love about the industry. I mean, your show is about diversity and inclusion, right? So I, I think, 
right the big part of of what the industry has gifted uh, the philippines is that they were able to open this to to high school graduates that could speak could you could uh, really navigate the computer you know computers and the tools um you know has a high degree of of I would say adaptability and learning, right? Because it's an industry that keeps on giving. Why do I say that? Um, I, I know some people might think, "Oh, high school graduate." It, if they're just high school graduate, then graduates, then that means the industry is not as it's it's not as complex. It's not as competitive, but it is, right? But we do have a lot of trainings, and that's why it mm -hmm. keeps on giving. Right. So we will teach you the basics and then we will, you know, once assigned to a client or a client brand, let's talk about it as a brand. For example, there are so many brands out there, say a popular cell phone brand. If we put you in that account, we will teach you everything about it. So you could even either be on the tech side. Right. If you're on the tech side, there will be uh, awesome training uh programs that will teach you everything from you know if if your phone doesn't turn on and why it doesn't uh why the sound is not crisp um all of those can be addressed by a, a high school student now because of the robust training that we that we provide right and there's always constant upskilling coming from the client partner Right, because mm -hmm. technology evolves from their side. Let's say you're an app support for a popular ride-sharing uh, app, then obviously their app evolves. So, uh, you know, in the past, you know, some of these ride-sharing apps used to just be, let's ride a car, and now they offer food and parcel services. Right. Mm -hmm. So, because of the because of the changing demands, even our champs keep on getting trained about it and i'll tell you the average consumer will probably not know uh half the stuff our our agents know or representatives know because you know they keep on receiving education so when we talk about education it's no longer just the four walls of the classroom right the, the upskilling is part of it um mm -hmm. from the client so yeah i mean you're right in that you know to to move up you need to get uh, you need to get educated, um, mm -hmm. and there's just uh, I think in one of our chats before we got into the show we talked about like how do we how do we uh, elevate talent right um, I think BPOs like us are also invested in our own curriculum on top of what the client provides we we have our own curriculum for leadership uh, mm -hmm. for let's say data privacy. We have our own curriculum for um, how to be an effective leader because eventually you're going to handle a team of, you know, 15 or 20 champs, right? If you're a young uh, individual who's never, or even if you're not young, let's say you're a switcher who's never been in this industry, it's scary to all of a sudden handle 15 to 20 folks, mm -hmm. right, with different personalities, so if you get promoted, how do you do that, right? There are certain disciplines that we will have to teach you um, from coaching to facilitating mini trainings, right? To handling difficult conversations with your teams through, and even data, handling data. We provide, the, uh, and a lot of BPOs provide that, like even Six Sigma, um, Six Sigma seminars just to help uh, our our champs understand big data and uh you know errors how to correct them so mm -hmm. it's a it's a very colorful industry in that and that's why i keep saying it keeps on giving mm -hmm. and i'm pretty sure that 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 is the main reason why you decided to go into the industry and why you are still in the industry because again um, you say that this is an industry that keeps on giving. Anything else? Why? Um, any other reason why you really love your work in the BPO industry? Well, you're always in the pulse, right? Uh, it, it's like you're ahead of knowing what's going on. So um, let's talk about the pandemic, for example. 
when this happened, we knew which industries were affected. So hotel industry, obviously, right? And we saw it in the amount of interactions that came our way, right? If an industry is thriving, for example, a hotel, uh, a hotel chain, People will be calling, I want to make a reservation, I want to cancel my reservation. And and somebody on the back end will be doing that for you or somebody on the phone or on chat, right? Depending on the kind of interaction. So we knew it was starting to impact these industries because you see the, the volume drop. The, inter- the amount of interactions coming in the phone line started to drop. The amount of emails being picked up, chat being picked up started to drop. It's the same with the airline industry. And then you see it surge in the tech sector, uh, retail, tech, right? Um, food delivery tech, the apps, all of those. You see it move up. So then you move your you move your champs. And the, like I said, if you're a flexible person or uh, an agent, you know you kind of move where you know where the volume is. And that's what actually gets you ahead when you have multi-disciplines uh, that you learn, right? So we move them around. And and you, it's like seeing how the world was changing in consumer behaviors. And now that it started to open up, mm-hmm. right? You're seeing it switch again to travel. You're seeing it switch again to, you know, people buying uh, concert tickets, stuff like that, rather than, you know, uh, staying at home watching a, uh, an app, a movie, a movie app or entertainment app, right? So, so I think that's, you see consumer patterns, um, how that influences the world. Uh, the other thing too is you see, you know, it's exciting because I saw how technologically we've evolved in terms of consumer touch points. Um, when I was younger in this industry, it was predominantly calls. So in fact, mm-hmm. outbound, right? It, it used to be that there's a dialer, right? That mm-hmm. where you call and then you introduce yourself. Hi, I'm from so-and-so company. Uh, may I offer you a product? That was the earlier days. And then the interactions became more inbound um, where customers call in. Um, th- that balance kind of tipped. And then technology, you know, when the internet became more predominant, there was a lot of websites being developed. So self-help became an option through the web. We used to call it in my younger in my younger days, push the web. You have to tell the customer on the phone that, by the way, if you need more information about the product, you can visit our website at www. Right? And now, um, even even even, oh, you can send us an email for a follow-up or we'll email you the follow-up. Now, the interactions are different. There's a social media platform, right? Mm-hmm. So our champs also do that. They, we manage some of the social media of some of the top brands in the world. Um, there's also uh, chat support or app support where you chat uh, through the app, right? Mm-hmm. So you see how technology also influences that and how it, it starts to starts to work differently. And whenever there are new product launches uh, for for a large global brand, you're the first to know about it, or a service launch, right? You're the first to know about it because they have to set up the the customer service infrastructure before they turn it on. So it's quite exciting because then you know you see how um, how certain industries innovate and what they start to offer in the market, in a very competitive market that we operate in now, like the global stage. Yeah, it really sounds exciting when you are at the forefront of any technological transformations. All right, so- Yeah, it it is. Yes, sorry, (laughs) Christine. No, I was just to say it is. That's actually the most amazing part of, uh, of the industry. And, you know, I hope they, the, the ones that are switchers or have just applied and this is their first time that you know, I'm excited for you because in the last 20 years, uh, Jenny, you and I both know how much technology has changed. Um, you know, and when we were young, we never had iPads and now everybody beyond iPads, all our mobile phones can, you know, mm-hmm. we can video chat or even stream this way. In the past, it was it was hard to do without a lot of machines and now we could just do it 
using your laptops or phones, right? So if you're in the middle of all of that, it's very exciting. And if you're new in this industry, gosh, I don't know what the next 20 years would look like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So um, I'm loving this conversation, Christine. Um, we'll go back later to the conversation after this short odd spot from our sponsor. So dear viewers, please stay tuned for the second part of our interview. Greenfield District, the future ready district, home to Greenfield Tower with its state-of-the-art fiber optic internet backbone. Connectivity is built right into residences like Twin Oaks Place. 15 flourishing hectares right at the heart of Metro Manila so that at work and at play, we can plant a future where dreams grow. Greenfield District, the future ready district. is a live stream platform of online shows for people on the go. Please watch all our shows as seen on the screen. Imagine having your own show, your own playlist, your own content, but we make it easier for you. TNC aims to transform the lives of our viewers through engaging authentic and original content. Our vision is to become a global 24-7 live stream channel that showcases Filipino talent, global influencers, cultural intelligence, and ingenuity. Thank you also for always supporting Stories from the Fringe. We are live every Thursday, 10.30 a.m. Philippine Standard Time. You can watch live or on replay via Facebook or YouTube. Follow us on IG. Listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just search hashtag TNC now. 
For sponsorships, please email now at newchannel.com or send us a DM. Enjoy these life-changing shows because we made them just for you. At this juncture, I'd like to thank all our audience for choosing to spend your Thursday morning with us. Thank you for tuning in. Brenda Ringwood from Kansas. Hello. Hello. I hope everything's well with you and yours. Also, thank you to Coach Alperes. Thank you so much. You are also beautiful and smart. Yes, we agree as what Christine has said. BPO industry is an industry that keeps on giving. And thank you also, Juan Lunaria, for watching. Uh, we hope to see you again next week. So, dear viewers, uh, before we went on a short break, Christine Bondock has been sharing with us the reason why she decided to jump from a different industry or different industries to the BPO industry. And so far, she's loving it. And she also shared with us how an entry-level employee is hired in the industry and what are the things that an employee can do to thrive in the industry. Okay, so let's call in again, Christine Bondo. Hey, Jenny. All right, so again, so we, we mentioned that BPO industry is now hiring even high school students as long as they are willing to self-educate. And this is made easier because the BPO industry is the one allowing all these trainings, all these upskilling opportunities for the employees. So I love that because I myself is also a lifelong learner. And I have varied interests also. Now you've mentioned this. What do you think are the other other things that employees can maximize so that they can have staying power in the industry? Yeah. So I think it really centers around and, and much like other industries, right? You have to be aware of of the news because that keeps you ahead, right? Um why do I say that? Employees that anticipate and are are open to changes. Like I said, during the pandemic, there are certain industries that started to thrive in terms of volume. And there's certain industries that you know was heavily that were re were heavily affected. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're if you're an employee that's not flexible, for example, mm -hmm. and and you say no, I just want to stay in this travel account because this is this is what I really want to do. But what if there's no calls, right? Mm -hmm. You can't move up if you don't have any other disciplines anyway, right, that you know. Because as a team manager or a, or a, I would say like a program manager, it's better if you know more things, um, you know, if you know, if you know how to manage different, because uh, every interaction will have a quality metric assigned mm -hmm. to it, right? If, if you understand that, oh, you know, for some, it's really resolution that's important. For some, it's really sales and conversion that's important. For some accounts, it will be the upselling that's important, right? Mm -hmm. Or for some, it's all about speed, right? How fast can I close this interaction? So mm -hmm. I think in the end of the day, you know, if, if you only know one track, uh, it'll be it'll be harder for you to be a competitive manager out there or even a director because you know we whenever i look at potential leaders on who gets to move up it's really those that number one like what you said lifelong learners right total advocate of that number two would be the ones that are agile and flexible mm -hmm. and then three would be those that really apply critical thinking you know what do i see in the news like um, or let's say they really listen to the interaction or read through the interaction and think through practical thinkers. You have to be that um, in this in this industry to be able to thrive. Everything else will be given to you. Your tools are given to you. The responses even are given to you. The, the solution thread. It's not like if I ask you to, hey, my phone is not turning on. I don't know what to do, right? 
there's already in the tool in itself, right? The moment you navigate your tools, it'll tell you step one to ten. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not that you're not thinking, you're still thinking. Because then if a client cannot express what the problem is, let's say an elderly individual, right? How do you guide them to say, if you press this app, it'll, you know, mm-hmm. it'll help your phone restart or it'll help troubleshoot the problems of your phone. It's hard. So, you know, that the application of, you know, if if I were in the person's shoes, what I would what would I do? That kind of empathy really gets you somewhere in terms of moving up from you know from a basic representative to an awesome representative, mm-hmm. all the way to if if you really live and breathe the client brand that you're that you're staying at, then you're you know you you're attuned to their social media pages, you follow their news, then you become a brand ambassador an extension of what the, what the client is about, um, mm-hmm. then that gets you ahead, right? Mm-hmm. If you collect a lot of client brands under your belt in the years that you work with us or even the few months that you work with us, then, you know, you become more exposed to different processes uh, mm-hmm. and that also gets you ahead. So that's mm-hmm. why I think, um, you know, eagerness to, to learn is so important because not everybody is interested in in upskilling themselves plus there are a lot of free courses and i'm sure a lot of bpos do this a lot of free courses are out there but not everyone accesses to those mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right so you mentioned agility i also believe that an organization is as only as agile as the people making up the organization right and also you mentioned empathy and flexibility Mm-hmm. Any and then the ability to connect all these brands so that you can better represent the brand as the brand ambassador, right? Okay. okay. So I remember when the BPO industry was still starting. One of the problems, major problems, is the high turnover. Uh, some of the agents they took advantage of the system. For example, they will get the training from one BPO, and then once they had the training, in six months' time or one year time, the B- the first BPO hasn't recouped yet the the investment. They will move to another BPO company, and they will of course get higher compensation, the perks and the benefits. So right now, I would imagine that with the pandemic also there might have been uh, layoffs. I'm not really sure about the other industries, but uh, so how did you try to retain the employees? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, the current company I'm with, right? Uh, during the pandemic, we didn't do uh, layoffs. We actually kept on hiring. Um, mm-hmm. I would say the BPO industry is unique in that whenever there's a crisis in, let's say, the countries that we service, which is predominantly North America for us, right? Uh, a lot of that would would be driven down to cost, right? So let's say products like, again, let's go back to something that's relatable like your cell phone, right? Uh, some of the consumers will say, "Well, I don't, I don't want to pay for for repair, so let me call the hotline to troubleshoot." Right? Um, it used to be that some of those jobs were abroad, mm-hmm. and then because of the pandemic or cost pressures, or now that they're experiencing high inflation, some of those jobs actually move offshore, which is mm-hmm. where we are, or India, right? So they outsource those to obviously to to control costs on their side. Um, you know that's that's the good thing about this industry. That's why it's expanding, and and we saw that right. Um, on top of that, I think during the pandemic there were also new services that opened up. Like I said, you you remember back in the day, uh, grocery delivery apps would it be something that you and I would think about, right? Your typical, even here in the Philippines, we have a grocery delivery app already. Mm-hmm. Um, 
every every weekend that's when we do our grocery or after work now there's an app to do that so or a service provider that does that so those business models actually thrived during the pandemic because a lot of people were scared to go out and you know ended up servicing them and again you know this is the reason why you have to follow and why i love the industry you follow the news there's always a demand it's just um again for for the agents it's really just about flexibility in in making sure that we're you know we're able to teach them how to do it right because then mm-hmm. the competition can also do it better so for us i think uh, we're lucky in that we were able to land you know great logos during the pandemic uh, the sales team was pretty robust. Our sales team is based abroad. Uh, they were able to bag a couple of logos for us. So, um, and it's the same for other BPOs. Unfortunately, other BPOs that are homogenous or mm-hmm. you know heavy on, let's say, travel industry, hotel industry, uh, those uh, BPOs that are heavy on, let's say, just telco. Uh, servicing cell phone uh, provider companies, right? Um, I think they had to do some layoffs. Even right share uh, BPOs that were were just heavily leveraged on or have have large clients that are on the ride share business, they had to do some layoffs. Um, or at least you know tell the tell their agents, hey, can you vacation for two weeks until we find you. Uh, another training class to join or another client to join because again the global stage was affected so all of these changes impacted even the way we manage our workforce um just i'm just thankful that our bpo is servicing the healthcare industry um which actually thrived during the the pandemic also so you know i think for the bpo leaders out there when you think about your bpo you have to ask yourself, are you also diversified enough to protect yourself from ebbs and flow of the industry uh, mm-hmm. or, or ebbs and flow of your client's um, business, right? Yeah, that, that's a very thought-provoking question to ensure that you are future-proofing your organization. Again, you need to be not only scanning your internal environment but also the external environment and how are these changes in the external environment going to shape your strategy and you should be able to five on as needed yeah, yeah. that's yeah. but to your point earlier though you know a lot of the a lot of the champs and back in the day you did and it still happens now where they became professional trainees <laughs> They join one BPO and then they will quit uh, towards the end of the training and then join another BPO just to train and then quit again just to get training salary. But, you know, BPOs are friendly to each other. Uh, eventually, we we recognize patterns in your employment history. Um, and also we talk to each other. Sometimes we send those names and we would say, hey, you know what, don't hire these guys. They committed fraud or they, they did this, right? So because, uh, because the industry has, at large really wants to protect uh, the kind of industry we've built, right? Remember back in the day, you know, some of these cities wouldn't even exist, like the PESA zones wouldn't even exist without, you know, the demand that the BPO industry is able to bring. So we were able to actually change even the landscape and the architecture of the country. So, you know, we're very protective of this industry. Uh, the leaders are always thinking about how do we, you know, how do we separate the bad eggs from the really good ones that are um, helping the economy? Yeah, that's really important because if one bad egg uh, does something, then that already, you know, it's like one phase of BPO. They will think that all Filipinos are like that, and we don't want that to affect the, the whole industry. Now, you mentioned that um, your the BPO industry has navigated the pandemic, and it's it's very good. They did very well in, in that aspect. Now, what is the role of the leaders in ensuring that... As the demands uh, 
as the demands on the the people that we work with and we work uh yeah that we work with are changing how do we empower them so that they are able to accomplish this and in turn able to energize and strengthen customer interactions mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so actually we're living in a new normal now so this is our normal right and globally uh part part of what change would be the work behaviors of our of our champs it, at the beginning when we started the transition work at home everybody said why why am i going to work at home i don't have internet uh i i can't work at home i don't have a dedicated workstation um i miss my team i i really want to quit this is not the job for me it's so stressful now that we're inviting them back it's like why why go back to work uh work at home uh we're able to save money on gas and you know so it, even the employee uh, mindset about the way work is delivered has already changed it actually forced the government to try and do something about it right globally like even large companies, you know, the Googles of the world, they're back and forth with, yes, we're going to bring you back. Okay, fine. We're not going to bring you back. Not now, at least. Right. So, um, you know, as a leader, I think that in the end of the day, you have to emphasize that any job out there, right, especially if you're in the service industry, is about service. Right, and we have to really think about that. Um, let me let, let me go go back to that. Why do I want to overemphasize service? Mm. It's because you know it's it's not like it's not like you're a baker. You wake up early in the morning, right? It's not because you love to bake every day, bread, right? It's not every day that you love your job, but there's something in the heart of a baker that says, gosh, I have to wake up at 2 a.m. and bake pan de sal or, or bread because otherwise my community will not eat. So it should be the same kind of concern, right, for the customer base of your client, for our uh, economy here in the Philippines, knowing how much dollars we actually bring in to the BPO industry. You have to apply that. It's the same kind of concern where you say, you know, I have to do a good job. I have to go to work. I know there's changing protocols in the company or my clients are changing tools or protocols or processes, but I have to adapt because it's for the it's for everybody else. Like there will be, let's say you service the healthcare industry. There will be an elderly woman that wouldn't get her medication somewhere in North America if you didn't show up to work today. She will be waiting on the phone trying to get somebody to help her out in the same mm -hmm. care that you know a Filipino agent can 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 give. Um, mm -hmm. And I think if we apply that mindset, uh, you know, leaders, you have to imbibe that because you cannot. You cannot lead the group if they don't see you care first, mm -hmm. right? So that mindset should be adopted. And as a leader, your responsibility now goes beyond the phone call. It it goes to you know building and growing your company, contributing to to let's say you know more jobs being generated here in the Philippines, contributing to our overall economy. If you don't understand that that's your role then you know you as a leader will not mature to you know a manager a director a vp role you have to understand that uh the responsibility goes beyond just the interaction that's why that interaction needs to be um needs to be cared for regardless if it's tech chat back office it has to be a work of of art and a work of love uh i think yeah, that's very beautifully said, Christine. Thank you for emphasizing that. Uh, I always tell when I was still in the corporate, whenever we have the team building or the strategic planning sessions, that yes, there will be times when sometimes you don't feel like going to to work when the bed seems to be better than going to the shower. But 
always remember to get up, dress up, and show up. Because if you're thinking that what you're doing doesn't matter, you have to rethink that. Because you matter and the work that you do matter. Even though at that present moment, you still cannot see the big picture. But always have that uh, big picture in mind. How you are affecting the bigger ecosystem. Not only you, your organization, but as you mentioned, how the BPO industry as a whole is helping the Philippine economy. That's very mm-hmm. beautiful. You have to really attach purpose to what you do. Other. In any industry, but for the BPO industry, that's that's you know we are one of the largest uh, dollar generating industries in the Philippines, right? But again, you know you have to attach purpose to what you do. You cannot just think, oh my God, uh, the calls are queuing, or there's just so many batches of emails I need to answer. Um, there will be days that are like that. Nobody's perfect. Nobody is always perky every day. <laughs> Very few individuals are like that. Like, but but I think if you attach purpose to it, then you're able to you know draw strength and um, survive through different changes. Uh, you know, you remember back in the day when we had like EDSA, People Power. You know, even the global stage were looking at us and thinking like, is the Philippines? Even our clients were calling us. Is it still a stable economy? Can we still can we still hold our business there? Because it seems like there's a meltdown. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we were able to weather through all of those crises, right? Crises, uh, and and we're we're able to thrive. Um, but I think the leaders of the industry just decided we're gonna be purposeful in this, uh, and then be one of the cornerstones of the Philippine economy, at least the modern Philippine economy. Yeah. So what's the general outlook for the PPO industry? Are we still here 10 years or 20 years in the future? What are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts is that it will be, you know, powered by technology. Um, why do I say that? Because there are exciting tools that are around. Um, and you see it even in Instagram. For example, you know, you, you notice those numbers in Instagram, they sound the same. It's actually just an app right Mm -hmm. so you know now there are apps that improves an agent's intonation right there are apps that helps us analyze customer speech patterns to determine if they're already irate or not um there are apps that cancel background noise that allows us to to really thrive in a work at home environment right so that there are certain technological uh, developments that support what's going on in the industry. So I think the overall experience of the customer on the other side um, becomes more seamless. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, 10 years from now, I think the interactions will not go away. I think we will become more efficient because Mm -hmm. of the tools that are available. When I say tools, those are software, app, technology. Mm -hmm. Um, But people will always want to crave human interaction. Um, mm-hmm. I think AI will become more intelligent. So whenever you chat, for example, uh, let's say in, in, in an app, a banking app, the mm-hmm. first answer is not necessarily a live person. It's a bot, right? How mm-hmm. may I help you, right? Uh, I, um, I need to cancel a credit card transaction. I want to report fraud. The next answer would probably be a bot again because they have they have started to become intelligent in that the common concerns are already loaded in the bot system. Mm-hmm. But the complex concerns will still be uh, a human person critically thinking about what are your concerns. If you have multiple concerns, I want to be able to address that. And those are the things that um, would probably... Uh, would w- that's how interactions would probably evolve um, when it comes to human interactions in the BPO industry. Now, with what's going on, and everyone knows that you know there's they call it now we are in a recession, or some say mm-hmm. it's coming, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of the jobs would be migrated here again. Uh, maybe it's not the jobs that you know. M- necessarily is like the core business of of a client in the u.s they would say hey 
in the past, we can't outsource that job because we need licensed people to be doing that. Now they're open to licensing, you know, certain people here so that we can do the job a lot, uh, a lot cheaper. But I don't like to use the word cheap because it's not about being cheap. It's about delivering the value and the quality, mm-hmm. right? The same mm-hmm. amount of quality that they would otherwise get abroad. Um but yeah, 10 years from now, I think the demand would still be stable. I think that the interactions might change, probably lesser emails, more on the app support because, you know, app is our way of life now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think eventually uh, in the way that Mark Zuckerberg is looking at, you know, the metaverse, probably we're, we're going to open, you know, mm-hmm. different doors to where agents could work. Uh, and and it's not it's no longer confined in so long as the security uh, of your machine right and the environment is is proven then I think you know it, it could be a, a mobile kind of of work for our frontliners um, mm-hmm. which is a nice a nice thought process to have because when you think about it when I when I used to live in Europe before I remember the job was, portable mm-hmm. so if you're a project manager you can basically work anywhere right so i think that's that's where the industry will eventually head um there will be a lot of tools to protect data and uh and and secure that because you're also seeing i mean you see it now in your cell phones where so many people are just sending you random messages <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. and a lot of those would be hacked if you click on the link, they will have your data. So uh, I think there will be tighter security protocols also for the industry. But like I said, I never, when I was younger, I never predicted there would be an iPad, honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I used to watch a cartoon, and this is dating me, but I used to watch a cartoon called Jetsons when I was younger. Where yeah, Jetsons. Right, and they would say, oh, you know, the the phone call has like a, a video conferencing, right? And now we have that video conferencing not attached to a machine, but we're walking around the city, right? So so if technology is changing this way, I would think the next 10 years of the PPO industry is going to be very exciting. Very, very yeah, exciting. Yeah, it is. It is exciting, yes. Um, I I so look forward to the time when you said those bots will be intuitive and intelligent because during the pandemic, when not many people were working or responding from the offices, they used bots. And it was kind of frustrating when I would ask questions and the answers are circular. Like, <laughs> yes, it was so frustrating. And then I even had, after several attempts, I even said, uh, can I please now talk to the representative because your bot is not helping. I mean, I know that they tried to employ the bot because they felt that it would be helpful, but actually it's making the problem worse, making the the customer. Very so that's my experience, making the customer more frustrated every minute. Yes. So I, I look forward to that. That's why I think human interactions still matter, right? Because you can make a person who's panicking calm down. Like, Mm -hmm. calm down. I will reschedule your flight. It's okay. We will take care of you. That's different from a bot that says, Mm -hmm. if you want to cancel a flight, you know, just press this link, right? It's different. It's like, it's different because humans want to be heard naturally. Mm They want to be understood or somebody from the other side at least empathizes with them that I recognize you have an issue. It's very different when somebody says that. But um, what's now are becoming more intelligent. And again, uh, we I think our tech guy would call it trainable bots. Mm-hmm. So uh, we load, you know, typically we, we get certain certain insights from our quality department saying here are the top 10 concerns of the customers and Mm -hmm. here are you know the best responses for those concerns right we load that in the bot so now it becomes more intelligent so if it's a matter of let's say you're buying uh ticket concerts online let's just say and you bought it through an app you could just say 
please share with me available seats or can I cancel the seats, right? The bot can say, yes, I can do that for you. Yes, done, right? Instead of waiting for, for a live person. So basic interactions like that could, or, or if it's just a question on what time is the show, what available times for the show, the bot can actually share that. Even you can even see it now in social media platforms, right? It's programmable where if you own a shop, you could actually say, Where is your shop located? It it the bot or the, the AI shares the address of the shop without you know the customer or the owner uh chatting that my shop, you know, ten thousand times a day when they have when she has ten thousand customers, my shop is located at she doesn't have to do that repeatedly. There's yeah. a, an intelligence that would, you know, artificial intelligence that would answer that for her. But again, you know, live interactions is still hard to be only because humans are feeling individuals, right? Mm-hmm. Feelings. And people need to pacify that, especially in the heat of panic or anger or frustration. Yes. So that's the value of like a human interaction brings. So we're close to the bottom of the hour, Christine. Thank you so much for all the wonderful insights that you have shared with us. Now, if there are any top three things that you want our viewers to take away from this conversation, what are those? So I think number one would be embrace change, right? Mm The history of mankind is always changed. It used to be, you know, we were agricultural, then we became industrial. Now we become, you know, service oriented through tech, even powered through tech, even embrace change. It's always just going to be there. Um, Don't be afraid of it, because if you become afraid of it, you will be unwilling to learn. Right. Mm -hmm. Number two would be uh, be curious. So if there's new apps, no matter how old you are, try to discover what it's about. You know, if, if you see your grandkids walk around with a, with a piece of technology, just ask what it's about and try to, you know, have them teach you how to use it, right? Mm-hmm. Because it allows you to live in the now. Um, you know, not talking about like f- philosophizing stuff, but I'm just saying it allows you to at least gain additional knowledge. So curiosity gets you there also, the, the healthy kind of curiosity, right? Mm-hmm. So try to keep learning. Um, and then my third and most powerful tip would probably be, you know, um, you have to, you have to thrive when you're redirected. So, you know, like my story and the BPO, it wasn't necessarily the career that I wanted, but I was redirected. And you, you'll you never know it might be the best adventure that you might have, right? So when you're redirected in life, um, let's say you were a flight attendant, you were furloughed, and then now you, you find yourself applying in the BPO industry. You'll never know. You might be one of the best out there and even, you know, head the country operations in the future, Right. Or let's say you used to work in the hotel industry. Um, it, it didn't thrive during the pandemic. And now you find yourself as a manager in the BPO industry. There's a future for you here, right? To keep climbing the corporate ladder. Um, but enjoy. Enjoy when you're redirected. Uh, that allows you to thrive. Those are the three things. Thank you. Brilliant. Brilliantly said. And how can our viewers continue to follow you? Uh, can you please share your social media handles so that they can follow you and your work? Yeah, so I'm a very basic person. So you can find me in LinkedIn as Christine Bondok. Um, th- those are my professional posts, of course. I'm also on Instagram mm-hmm. as Christine Bondok. <laughs> Thank you so much, Christine. Thank you for having this meaningful and powerful conversation with me and also bringing value to our audience. Thank you, Jen. I enjoyed this conversation and the conversations we had prior to, to, the, to this show. Um, and, and, you know, I hope your, your show continues to gain a broad, uh, a broad audience. Um, 
really it's really natural and organic i think that's uh that's the beauty of, of your show so keep keep doing it and one day you know i i want to keep watching more 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 of your uh series or or podcasts that you have just let me know when they're aired thank you so much for the kind words claiming that now <laughs> <laughs> So, dear viewers, our guest next week is a lifelong student of almost everything, including travel, fitness, photography, and kite surfing. The founder of his own consultancy firm, Neurocognitive Leadership. He helps business leaders do what they do best and even better by applying simple, ancient, and modern techniques verified by scientific research and, of course, his own experiences. Tune in next Thursday. November 24, 10.30 a.m. for my conversation with Team Green. Thank you all so much for being here. Enjoy the rest of your day or evening, depending on where you are in the world. God bless everyone. <music>